Tom Korski, managing editor over at Black Lives Reporter. Hello there, sir. Hi, Alex. Oh, there's so much going on today. We've got, uh, so Tuesday, what day? I don't even know what day it is anymore. But Justice Rouleau, um, kind of in late proceedings, has agreed to hearing evidence from CSIS in a secret hearing intelligence um, that they don't feel is um, something they can talk about publicly because it you know, could affect national security. So far, we've had no intelligence really showing extremism and or this narrative um, that they had to because there was such a foreign threat, that kind of stuff. That hasn't aired out. Whether it, it comes up, I don't know. Um, and on the stand today is the OPP commissioner. Um, but I, the takeaway for me so far on a lot of this is that the o- OP, the police dropped the ball, clearly. The local officials dropped the ball, clearly. And they used the Emergency Act to clean up a, a mess of just failure. Oh, this was not a success story. There's no doubt about it. By the way, the secret uh, proceedings that you mentioned, I mean, to us, the implication is they had an informant. I mean, it would be frankly astonishing. If the Mounties didn't have an informant, what they learned that was not obvious to anyone with a Facebook account is not evident. (laughs) But, um, you know, so, so go ahead. But these were, you know, when the OP, Ontario Provincial Police Intelligence Bureau says zero intelligence that they had guns, that's not because they picked that up, you know, on the police radio. That means they had someone there who told them, these people don't have guns, and indeed, they didn't have guns in the trucks. That's been established. This commission is has to start getting down to business now, I think, um, Alex. It's, it's frankly off to kind of a slow start. They, they spent a lot of time discussing feelings and dysfunction uh-huh. <laughs> in the uh, Ottawa Police Department, and that's all fine. But that's not the question before the commission. The question is, did, did Cabinet meet the bar when they invoke the Emergencies Act? I agree with you, the implication. It doesn't look good for, for Cabinet, but let, let's start getting down to it now. Yeah, uh, uh, look, I know they're desperate to prove this um, narrative, but so far it hasn't come through. And then you got like RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky, as you guys write about, who will be testifying sometime uh, in the next uh, probably week, um, you know, she talked about the fact she didn't support the use of this act, even though publicly at a committee hearing she said she did. But on record, on emails, she did not support it, you know, pointing out there were lots of tools that still hadn't been used. And one of the most obvious is jam people's cell phones. I mean, that those most of those people, Tom, I think would have left if they couldn't make a phone call. <laughs> Who no, wouldn't if you can't make a call? No, absolutely. There, there was the thing is, though, and this is interesting, I think, for the commission, and it's important for people to recall within a surprisingly small geographic area, this is recalled as like World War Three. If you are mm-hmm. one of 17,000 people in downtown Ottawa, well, they're still talking about it. Uh, forgive me, in terms that used by Holocaust survivors, how traumatic yeah. it was. It was off of the honking, the honking. The, you know, if you wanted an impartial commission, like maybe they should have moved this thing to Peterborough or Winnipeg, because all you have to do is get uh, five miles away, and mm-hmm. the, the treatment already starts to change. So the commission is, is trying to walk this line of what was really a hyper-partisan event, and I guess we'll find out if they were successful or not. Yeah, well, or not. Who knows with uh, this judge, I guess we'll see. And then you read stories like, you know, the fact that the Public Order Emergency Commission paid this pollster, you know, um, uh, Frank Graves of Ecos Research. And 
that was questionable off the top, but he described the Freedom Convoy supporters as thugs and jihadists, and then, of course, took those tweets down because he regretted putting them up. But this is a guy who got paid 5000 bucks to submit a report entitled Understanding the Freedom Movement Causes Consequence and Potential Response, and yet he's out there tweeting, and I remember him tweeting this. He was tweeting all this crazy stuff, um, you know, never get an idea to be negotiating with hallucinogenic insurrectionists, and I'm genuinely frightened about the future of our country. Again, here's a guy who clearly has a bias, and they're taking his information as fact. Well, th- th- this is an, uh, exactly, and that underscores this this point that you mentioned, Alex. It was hyper-partisan down here. I, I, Alex, I work here. I lived it every day. I never missed a day. I didn't understand it at the time. With the passage of time, I understand it less and less. It was some sort of psychically scarring experience (laughs) for these people in downtown Ottawa. Forgive me. Every time I hear someone talking about the honking, the honking, I think to myself, man, you've never lived with a newborn, have you? Can you imagine (laughs) two weeks without, without beauty rest? Yeah, that's called that's called summer. That's a lot holiday. longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, but 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 they never got over it. And so here you have of all the sociologists, of all the researchers and pollsters in Canada, they had to contract the guy whose office was three blocks away, who's sending out angry tweets because he couldn't get to his desk. Come on. Which is why I always say, not all pollsters are created equal, but I don't think he does much uh, service to the pollster polling uh, industry because, again, it's it's not objective. Let me move on to this one because I, I think this story certainly deserves a lot more attention than it gets because heads still have not um, rolled over this. And, of course, this has to do with Laith Marouf. But, um, you know, apparently, according to Laith Marouf, you know, her heritage minister, Pablo Rodriguez, department begged him, begged him to take the money, um, gave him this $133,000. And he's out there saying, you know, that the, it, the this whole thing shows that, that Canadian Jews are white supremacists and Zionists, and this is why I'm getting in trouble. But, but he's trying to paint the picture that Pablo Rodriguez was desperate to give him this money, which wouldn't surprise me, by the way. I have to say, he, he said he would not name, uh, disappointingly, who at the Department of Canadian Heritage called him. I, 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 I say, I give no credit to this man. I think his version of events rings true. And do you know why? Because there's a lot of contracts go out the door that way, sometimes very lucrative contracts. The departments know just who to call. And you say, well, how would they know that? Would that be someone they met at the country club? Was that a golf buddy? Did you meet this person at the wine bar? How would these departments know just who to call? Maroof testifies in this, forgive me, not testimony, jib-jab on a a Mm -hmm. podcast. He says, not only did they call me and beg me, they gave me about 72 hours to get in my application so I could get the money. And we got the money real fast. That happened. We know that happened in, for instance, COVID contracting cases involving yep. hundreds of millions. It actually rings true. I know Cabinet wants this to go away, but I, it, to their discredit, they should want to know who made that call and why. you got to find out what's going on in your own department, Pablo. Get on it.
They don't care. Uh, Tom, they don't care. Or someone would have been fired by now. The fact that, you know, Pablo Rodriguez, oh, I just read it in the news with everyone else. You got Hussein, who knew for a month but didn't mention it, the prime minister. Everyone knew about this. I mean, this guy got half a million dollars, way more than the $133,000. This is a guy who, for two decades, made very clear he'd either like to kill Jews or just call them bags of feces, right? And then you got uh, a government saying they have no tolerance and they're working on anti-Semitism. You know, he was just there with Irwin Kotler yesterday putting out pictures about fighting anti-Semitism, none of it can be taken seriously given just how badly they have handled this. If maybe someone got fired or was held to account, maybe we would actually start seeing some sincerity. But until that happens, and I don't think it will. Then we don't need a minister of culture. If that's the case, and I don't dispute that you're, that you're wrong, if that's the case, it's not enough to sit there and pose and draw a salary for Minister Rodriguez. That's why you get the car and chauffeur, because you're supposed to be going to the office to do some work. If you're not interested, why don't we just replace you with a fax machine, and the department and the managers can just send up orders every time they want some money for one of their beer buddies, which is what happened in this case. Yeah. Well, nonetheless, this guy's still... And by the way, he's so intertwined with the CRTCs, so they're very buddy with this guy, too. He seems to be very infiltrated into the upper echelons of Ottawa, decision makers and power brokers, for, for like an overt anti-Semite. Oh, this... Uh, now, Maruf, who fantasized on Twitter about yeah. shooting Jews, oh, he was in their yeah. Rolodex. Absolutely. He had friends that some contractors couldn't dream of, Alex. <laughs> nonetheless... All righty, uh, Tom, you have yourselves a great week, and I know that Peter Slowly's up, so I'm sure you'll be listening to that, but uh, very much appreciate it. We'll chat with you again. My pleasure. Thanks, Alex. That is Tom Korski, a Blacklocks reporter. It is worth the investment because you get what you pay for. All righty, we'll continue following that, and Peter Slowly is testifying on Friday. I'm sure that will be a fascinating couple of hours.